Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. So it's very nice to see some new faces today, the three of you. It's always not easy to decide, you know, what to speak about when, when it's my turn to give a talk. And um, today I was thinking, you know, uh, what is like the real the essence of, of the Buddha's teaching and and there's like many different ways how, how that you know can be summarized uh, all of the great discourses and the books which have been written about the, the teaching. And one way of summarizing it all is um, you know all of the teachings and all of the techniques and the methods you know which the Buddha has uh, left for us. They're all about cultivating the mind of, of non-grasping. You know, cultivating the mind which is open and fully present with what he is rather than, uh, you know, hanging on to a certain way of uh, interpreting the present experience. And, you know, there's basically three different filters, you know, which the mind habitually throws up when it comes in contact with perceptions and they are greed, hatred and delusion and you know that sounds theoretically all pretty clear but then you know when you look in your own mind you start to see the situation is extremely complex and um, it's a huge tangle and to untangle this tangle uh, is a very difficult practice and it's a lifelong practice but nevertheless, you know, if we are not starting, then we're never going to get anywhere with it. So that's why it's very good, you know, to meet other people and uh, to hear people speak about their practice because then you will find out quite quickly, you know, that you're not alone with, with this um, mess of a mind, you know, which we all are um, living with. And... You know, one way of um, looking at the practice in, in, in that context is that the practice is all about, you know, letting go of identification with uh, what the mind interprets on top of experience. And we need, you know, support in order to be able to sustain that approach. And you know, in order to enable us, you know, to renounce the past, to renounce the habitual patterns, we can, you know, use what's called the Noble Eightfold Path. This is the path according to the Buddha. And it it consists of three, something called three limbs. And, you know, the first one is ethics, or sila in Pali. And the second one is um, collecting the mind. Uh, focusing the mind, samadhi, and the third one is panya, that's the result of that wisdom. 
in terms of uh, renunciation. You know, once we, we see, you know, how the mind works and how difficult it is for us, you know, to stay in the present moment and how easily, you know, we can get carried away by greed, hatred and delusion. Once we have understood that to a certain degree, you know, we get really very kind of interested in, in the precepts which you have just been taking, you know, a few minutes ago. And then, you know, because then we don't see the precepts any longer as a burden, you know, to carry with us or as a, as a restriction, but we can appreciate they are really a protection for us. Because we can use, you know, the precepts as a, as a kind of a fence around our field of, of, of life and we just make a commitment, you know, to ourselves to make a decision, we're not going to stray beyond this fence. And that is not only for the benefit of others, but most of all, it's the, for the benefit of ourselves. And at the same time also, it gives all of those who come in contact with us, it gives them what is said so beautiful in the teachings, the gift of fearlessness, because, you know, people who meet us and who live and work together with us, they don't have to be afraid you know, that we're inflicting any harm on them. So, and then, you know, if we have seen to that degree, then keeping the, the precepts is actually not difficult. In in terms of speech, it, it can still be difficult because that seems to be the most, most hard one to keep. But the other ones, I think, are, are easier, easier to keep. And, yeah, and then if we you know, make mistakes, then as soon as we notice it, we just come back and um, acknowledge the mistake and do some amendments and, and just start again. So the, the precepts are, they are training rules. They are not like vows, you know, if you take it and if you break it, you're going to go to hell or something like that. They are more like, they're really seen as a support for practice and a support for for community and you know, also that people can live together in a in a way which is um, sustainable and you know where we just we can extrapolate from our own our own wish we can extrapolate what would be also the wish of other people it's it's really quite simple and very practical so, you know, that would be the first level of renunciation. You know, the one which I think first dawns on us that this is actually not something which is a burden for us, but that's, that's a, a sign of, of freedom, you know, to be able to have enough uh, wisdom and enough compassion and uh, mindfulness, you know, to be able to not stray beyond this fence of the five precepts. And as we have said so many times, you know, if... If all people living at the moment here on the planet, you know, if they just keep one precept, this would be a very different um, life we we have. So, kind of recognizing that keeping the precepts is a, actually a great self-protection, first of all. This is like growing up, you know, maturing like a child at a certain you know, age. It just leaves behind certain toys because it, it outgrows those toys and then it's we don't have to you know it's not going to make a tantrum if if these toys suddenly disappear because it's it's not interested anymore. 
it, it wants to go further, it wants to um, have a different quality of experience because this quality which was once you know pleasant or so has lost its appeal simply because you know the maturing has happened and that's you know what I mean with uh, you know getting a taste about that keeping the precepts is actually um, a blessing not a burden so that's the first level of renunciation and I remember it I have been well into my 30s until I got a taste uh, in that direction because I was very much distracted you know by by my own conditioning which I had never really investigated very much until I started to to meditate and and it was my first teacher Arjun Buddha Dasa there's a photo of him here on the wall who sparked my interest because of the quality of his presence I I, I just was wondering, you know, what he knew that he was so, um, he had such a powerful presence and it was very inspiring for me. I, I thought I'd like to be like him, actually, not knowing, you know, what I would get into, but <laughs> even, you know, kind of starting to try, you know, to, to get just a, a bit of what he knew. And I'm still, you know, I'm still kind of on the same uh, route since then and it is, it is really a lifelong practice. Meanwhile I have realized that in the beginning I thought I'm going to do this for one or two years and then I'm going to um, go back and uh, do, the, do the work I came from and and will do everything different because I will be a different person. And, uh, I am a different person now but there's still a lot to be done I must say. I did totally underestimate the depths of, uh, of the conditioning. You know. So, but nevertheless, the, you know, that level with the precepts I have understood, but that's only the first one. And then, you know, the next one we can say is starting to realize how we waste our time by distracting ourselves and, um, you know, by turning away from from suffering and you know there are so many different ways this um, so-called you know consumer culture has so many different um, distractions to offer and some of them are you know pretty addictive actually it's not easy you know to to turn away from them once one had get used to it to a certain ways of distracting ourselves like alcohol or drugs or even you know eating or so on depends on our own you know vulnerabilities which we have brought into this life but some of them for some people are very difficult to to let go of and you know there's whole networks meanwhile developed and uh, in order to, you know, support these people. And there's also, you know, innocent, so-called innocent distractions, like, you know, getting really addicted to, for example, reading every newspaper who comes into the field of um, seeing and not being able to put it down until one has gone through from the first to the last page. Even there's a lot of, uh, you know, unimportant things in that paper. I can see that... With my father, for example, he is totally, every day, goes to the mailbox, takes the newspaper, reads the whole thing. That takes a lot of his time, basically. 
This is how he fills his time. And, you know, we all know that a lot of the information in those papers is just uh, pure propaganda and it's not very uh, useful, actually. And just noticing, you know, if we have some of those habits, just noticing it and, you know, not expecting that we can change it immediately, but just, you know, give it... Uh, give it some time to, to realize what we are doing. And it's not, you know, I'm not speaking about forcing ourselves, just with the, as the same with the precepts. Not, it's not about forcing ourselves, you know, to be different or, you know, pushing ourselves with willpower. But true renunciation comes from understanding, you know, like from maturing. And how is that, you know, how is that supported? Simply, you know, by bringing awareness and mindfulness to what we are doing and, and really, you know, allowing ourselves to, to see what we are doing and reflecting on it and um, basically not, you know, turning away from it, but you're really taking it in and then through that, you know, understanding is going to be the result of it. And we don't have to, you know, force ourselves. Because, you know, if, if it's just done with willpower, we might succeed, you know, maybe one or two or three times. But then on a bad day, it's very, easily, it's very easy again to, you know, get carried away. But if it really comes from understanding, it just becomes part of our being and it's not going to have the same attraction anymore. It just drops away. And that's you know what I'm what I mean when I speak about renunciation. And you know we can make little experiments in our lives that you know certain things which we are very used to do every day, little things, to just maybe even delay them for like an hour or ten minutes or so, and just watch yourself. You know what's going on in the body, what's going on in the mind. In that, when you're doing that, it's a it's a very good exercise. It's quite funny also in some ways, you know, seeing how dependent we can become on on little things. And then you know that experience in the body and in the mind, we can we can extrapolate it on on really important things. So. Paying attention in that way reveals a lot about how we are wired as, as human beings. And a lot of it is really given through the needs of the body. So a lot of, of those desires are, are just like a result of having a body. And we can learn, you know, to not become a slave to them, but rather... You know, not also not becoming a master of it either, but just the middle way, you know, just working and cooperating with it in a way which is informed by, by reality rather than by believing in uh, our conditioning, you know, because a lot of our conditioning is very unconscious and that's how, you know, this consumer culture with all its... Um, different ways, you know, of, of trying to manipulate people into 
into believing that they need this and they need that, which is, meanwhile, you know, has be, has turned out to be a real curse, you know, for our living here on this planet because we have managed, you know, to do a lot of harm to it already, and it seems to be, you know, that the wheel is just spinning and and people are at a loss, not knowing, you know, how we can stop this, because. The whole, the, our whole culture is built on it, and I think it's very, very important for us to become aware that we can actually live with much less, and that our lives wouldn't be less um, unsatisfactory as they are right now. You know, but maybe you know we would be able actually to have a deeper connectedness to what we are you know, doing here every day. But because, you know, we live in such a complex, such a complicated situation, we actually have lost connection with this, with the simplicity of life, you know, with, with the, what's called simple pleasures. There's a coffee shop, actually, not far from here. It's called Simple Pleasures. There's always a lot of people sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it's a lovely name. Yeah. So... You know, we have deprived ourselves through this, through kind of buying into this complexity and getting carried away into it and getting thrown about by all of this. We have actually lost connection with simple pleasures in life. You know, just like being able to eat something and being really fully with it, it's something we really have to make ourselves consciously slow down, you know. Otherwise, maybe we notice the first bite and then we already start thinking, oh, last time when I had this, or blah, 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 and then already, oh, it's finished. Mm-hmm. Next thing. And I'm sure you know what I'm speaking about. So, you know, through having a lot and having many different things, we actually haven't become richer, you know, in terms of, of satisfaction or in terms of, of pleasure. It's just like it's more things, it's more stuff, it's not a better life. So, And I think more and more people are waking up to that. And it's just like very sad that we had to go so far, you know, with uh, destroying the planet and endangering so many species, including ourselves, that we now slowly but surely, you know, more and more come to wake up knowing we, we really seriously have to make changes. It's not going to go... Well, it's not going to work out this way. So the planet herself, you know, is is now teaching us very much through her limitations and giving us, you know, a lot of wake-up calls. And more and more people hear it. And there will be an increasing interest in renunciation, I'm sure. Because it simply has to be. We don't have a choice anymore. So, you know, not turning away from into distraction and not wasting our time with uh, doing things which, which are not really conducive for anything. And I think everybody, you know, including myself, you can find things which you're doing in your life, you know, where you could do a bit less of that and use your time more fruitful by maybe meditating mm-hmm. instead of um, 
one hour less on the net and put that time into meditation or half an hour, that would be really a good thing. So not a kind of leaking out your energy, not wasting your energy with which things which, which which are not worth it really. And also you know cluttering up your, your life with on and your space which which things which are kind of distracting and creating more work for you and wasting your time basically. Well, you know, sometimes maybe feeling awkward to say no to somebody. We we just, you know, don't have the courage to to say no. I'm, I I'd want to do something else instead. So there's many many things, you know. And if we if we really look into our lives, I think we all can find more time which we could use more fruitful. And then the next level of renunciation is the most difficult one. It's, you know, renouncing um, identification with habitual ways of thinking and interpreting our experience. They're the most difficult ones because a lot of it, of that material is unconscious. But if we are practicing, you know, according to the way the Buddha has taught, if we walk the Noble Eightfold Path, then slowly but surely, you know, we have more and more insight into how we, you know, are caught in in different patterns of interpreting our experience. So whenever there is, you know, enough uh, mindfulness and we have long enough, you know, been watching certain areas, then at certain times, you know, when when causes and conditions come together for insight, we suddenly, you know, realize a little bit more and we suddenly have enough uh, wisdom, you know, to step out of a certain pattern by suddenly you know, not being caught in it anymore, but standing outside of it. Like not being anymore like a fish in the water inside of that pattern, not knowing what's going on, but suddenly we have this aha experience, you know, through ongoing practice. Suddenly we stay outside of it and we see it. Oh my God. And then if you're seeing it once, you know, then it's never going to be the same again. It's like having seen the trick and not being able to fall for it completely anymore. We can still get carried away, but we are very much quicker to, to realize it. I think you probably all have heard that uh, story about this. I, I hope I remember it right. Somebody going down a road and, and falling into a pit and then coming out from the pit and, and thinking, you know, next time I'm going to be, be careful. Then, you know, they go down the road and they say, I know that down this road there's a pit and I have to be careful, otherwise I'm going to fall into it again. And then they go down and there's all of those beautiful shopping windows and meet some friends and, and get carried away by maybe seeing a beautiful car and, and falling again into, into the pit. And, oh, my God, next time I have to be more careful. And then, you know, next time, again, being careful until very short distance before the pit and again something happens a friend calls hi and falling again into the pit <laughs> and the next time you know and 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 until we are 
mindful and collected enough so we can make it, you know, we can not fall into it. And it will take time and it, it takes that willingness to, to start again and, you know, not falling into old patterns of, you know, beating yourself up and making more out of it. When we can, you know, feeling remorse is, is a very good and healthy thing, but feeling guilty about it doesn't really help. It's, it's a waste of time. So, it's the same also with using the precepts. You know, feeling remorse if we break a precept is, is, a, is a good support for practice because, it, you know, it speaks about, uh, you know, that we are really with what's happening. But feeling guilty is just... Is kind of useless, you know. It, it's, it's a sign of ignorance, really. It's a sign of not understanding, you know, how the mind works. Having enough trust, you know, in our own ability that we can change, and the trust is is also not something, you know, which is is a blind trust, but a trust which comes from experience. It's uh, starting to collect within our minds through really being with what we are doing. You know, awareness alone is not enough for that. But it has to be informed by wisdom. And in a Pali language, it's called like the Satipanya. And for example, in, in, in the Thai language, Satipanya is used to describe what we call intelligence in, in the English language. So it, it's a very practical quality, Satipanya. It's like mindfulness and wisdom. Mindfulness brings wisdom to the spot so that when it's needed, we, we can use it. And at the same time, wisdom is, is, um, is cultivated through the application of mindfulness. Mindfulness is knowing, or mindfulness awareness, knowing what's happening in the present moment. And wisdom is, you know, knowing that this is impermanent, this is unsatisfactory, this is not me and not man. So because, you know, we can be aware, for example, of an urge to do something and then doing it. If, and if it's something, you know, unwholesome, then that means, you know, we have been aware, but we didn't have the wisdom to have renunciation coming in and, and not acting on it. You know, you can have a lot of awareness, you know, and taking aim and shooting you know, something. So that means, you know, there is a lot of awareness there maybe, or surely, but there is, is no wisdom there. So that, that those two, they need to go together in order for our practice to function and lead, lead to liberation, you know, from identification with greed, hatred and delusion. You know, this is a, is a maturing process which we can we can speed it up through improving you know, our ability for, for mindfulness and awareness through, through formal practice. So the meditation you know, is, is basically a technology which <clears throat> supports that strengthening of, the, of that muscle of, of mindfulness and awareness. The same as when you go to a gym, you know, you choose you know certain parts of your body you'd like to make stronger and meditation is is like going to the gym you know and making your mind strong 
so that you can be with what is, not turning into distraction, and at the same time you can, you know, go into the depths of experience and see, you know, what's really going on. You know, making friends uh, with reality rather than staying on the surface and repeating, you know, the same interpretations again and again and, and being stuck in the past. So those three levels of renunciation, the first one is like, you know, making a fence, a strong fence, the ethics or, or sila. Uh, the second one is, you know, realizing, you know, how much we are leaking out our energy left and right, how we are wasting our time. We could say, you know, that's the level of focusing or, or samadhi, collecting, collecting ourselves, collecting our energy, collecting our mind and then the third one that's the flourishing the flowering is uh, having enough wisdom handy so that we can let go of identification with greed hatred and illusion which we you know look through those filters and then we interpret experience so that first we put a fence and then we you know see how we're wasting our time that's like weeding, basically pulling out the weeds and preparing the ground and putting seeds, you know, letting go of unwholesome ways and uh, cultivating wholesome ways. And then there's the flourishing of wisdom, which empowers us, you know, to let go of identification with habitual patterns of interpreting experience. So, you know, that's one way of looking at the path, at the Noble Eightfold Path, which which brings us to complete, you know, letting go of, of ignorance and not by you know, forcing ourselves, but by adding more mindfulness and awareness to our lives, to whatever we are doing. And then we can, through that really deep looking, we can see, you know, what we should cultivate and what we should let go of. And uh, I remember a little saying of Ajahn Shah, that's the monk here on this picture. And he said, you know, if you let go a little, then you have a little peace. And if you let go a lot, you have a lot of peace. And if you let go completely, you have complete peace. And there's, you know, no more struggling with the world. So, I, you know, would like to give you this little reflection for for today and. Handa mayam dhamma. Kataya sadhu karam dharamase sadhu 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 anumata. 
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.